Exodus 29, verses 1 through 35. These are God's words. And this is what you shall do to them to hallow them for ministering to me as priests. Take one young bull and two rams without blemish and unleavened bread, unleavened cakes mixed with oil and unleavened wafers, anointed with oil, you shall make them of wheat flour. You shall put them in one basket and bring them in the basket with the bull and the two rams. And Aaron and his sons you shall bring to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And you shall wash them with water. Then you shall take the garments, put the tunic on Aaron and the robe of the ephod, the ephod and the breastplate, and gird him with the intricately woven band of the ephod. You shall put the turban on his head, put the holy crown on the turban, and you shall take the anointing oil, pour it on his head, and anoint him. Then you shall bring his sons, and put tunics on them, and you shall gird them with sashes, Aaron and his sons, and put the hats on them. The priesthood shall be theirs for a perpetual statute. So you shall consecrate Aaron and his sons. You shall also have the bull brought before the tabernacle of meeting, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands on the head of the bull. Then you shall kill the bull before Yahweh by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. You shall take some of the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger and pour all the blood beside the base of the altar. And you shall take all the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them, and burn them on the altar. But the flesh of the bull with its skin and its offal, you shall burn with fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. <coughs> you shall also take one ram, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands on the head of the ram. And you shall kill the ram, and you shall take its blood and sprinkle it all round on the altar. Then you shall cut the ram in pieces, wash its entrails and its legs, and put them with its pieces and with its head. And you shall burn the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to Yahweh, a sweet, it is a sweet aroma an offering made by fire to Yahweh. You shall also take the other ram, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands on the head of the ram. Then you shall kill the ram, and take some of its blood, and put it on the tip of the right ear of Aaron, and on the tip of the right ear of his sons, and on the thumb of their right hand, and on the big toe of their right foot, and sprinkle the blood all round on the altar. <coughs> and you shall take some of the blood that is on the altar and some of the anointing oil and sprinkle it on Aaron and on his garments, on his sons and on the garments of his sons with him. And he and his garments shall be hallowed and his sons and his son's garments with him. Also you shall take the fat of the ram, the fat tail, the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, the two kidneys and the fat on them, the right thigh, for it is a ram of consecration. 
one loaf of bread, one cake made with oil, and one wafer from the basket of the unleavened bread that is before Yahweh. And you shall put all these in the hands of Aaron and in the hands of his sons, and you shall wave them as a wave offering before Yahweh. You shall receive them back from their hands and burn them on the altar as a burnt offering, as a sweet aroma before Yahweh. There's an offering made by fire to Yahweh. Then you shall take the breast of the ram of Aaron's consecration and wave it as a wave offering before Yahweh, and it shall be your portion. And from the ram of the consecration you shall consecrate the breast of the wave offering which is waved, and the thigh of the heave offering which is raised, of that which is for Aaron, and of that which is for his sons, it shall be from the children of Israel for Aaron and his sons, by a statute forever. For it is a heave offering, and it shall be a heave offering from the children of Israel, from the sacrifices of their peace offerings, that is, their heave offering to Yahweh. And the holy garments of Aaron shall be his sons after him, to be anointed in them, and to be consecrated in them, that son who becomes priest in his place shall put them on for seven days when he enters the tabernacle of meeting to minister in the holy place. And you shall take the ram of the consecration and boil its flesh in the holy place. Then Aaron and his sons shall eat the flesh of the ram and the bread that is in the basket by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. <coughs> they shall eat those things with which the atonement was made to consecrate and to sanctify them. But an outsider shall not eat them, because they are holy. And if any of the flesh of the consecration offerings or of the bread remains until the morning, then you shall burn the remainder with fire. It shall not be eaten, because it is holy. Thus you shall do to Aaron and his sons, according to all that I have commanded you, Seven days you shall consecrate them. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. These were the men whom God had picked uh, to be the priests, Aaron and his sons. It's interesting, isn't it? Moses had sons, but Moses' sons are uh, not to uh, follow him. These are the ones that God picked. And these are the outfits that God designed. We just heard that portion preached last Lord's Day. And he uh, is to take them, and he gets three animals and a bunch of other stuff ready. Uh, but then in verses 4 through 9, uh, he outfits Aaron and his sons with the outfits that God has chosen. He even pours anointing oil on him uh, in uh, verse 7. <clears throat> so they've been washed with the water and they've got the holy garments on them and they've had 
the anointing oil uh, poured onto Aaron, uh, and then they uh, uh, they finish out the outfits in verse nine, uh, and he says, uh, once the uh, you know once the hats uh, the uh, the robes or not the robes the tunics and the sashes or the hats are on the sons, he says. Uh, the priesthood shall be theirs for a perpetual statute, so you shall consecrate Aaron and his sons. Well, these are the guys that God picked. These are the outfits that God uh, put them in, and he's anointed Aaron, the high priest, with oil. Now, isn't that enough to make them holy? I mean, that's what we're talking about here. He says in verse 1, this is what you shall do to them to hallow them before ministering to me as priests. And the answer is a resounding no. That's not enough to make them holy. In fact, what the Lord commands is a series of, uh, uh, of bloody sacrifices. And not just of bloody sacrifices, uh, but and even uh, blood applied to them. But especially uh, once it's done and so much blood has been spilt that you can actually collect a sprinkled portion or a poured portion from the altar. You mix the blood with the oil. Those of you who do laundry, think about what's happening here. You mix the blood with the oil and then you pour it on Aaron and on his garments and his sons and the, the garments of his sons with him. Yes, those garments, the ones for the sons made out of the uh, white linen and the ephod of the priest, uh, which is made not only of the fine woven linen, but of the gold red, um, gold, gold, blue, scarlet and purple thread. <clears throat> Uh, and you're going to pour uh, blood mixed with oil on him. And you're going to do this over and over again for seven days. And then one day that ephod is going to pass to his son. And when it passes to his son, they're going to do it seven days to him. And generation after generation, that's not coming out, is it? Uh, you know, they didn't have tide. They probably knew better than we did about uh, other things you could do. But there's not much you can do with blood and oil uh, on uh, uh, white woven linen. And so we would be tempted to look at it and say, man, they were so clean and they got all messed up. But that's not what's happening, is it? Is it? They're being consecrated and cleansed. Man, what we look at, when we look at it, we see <clears throat> we are so dirty. And how great is the need for cleansing. And so there's a few lessons here in the process of ordination. <clears throat> the first is uh, the desperate need for something, and it really is someone, to die and suffer 
the fury of God's wrath in our place. Uh, there would have been no room for, not that they wouldn't think it, uh, but there would have been no room for the illusion that they had been picked because of how good they were or how deserving they were to be the priests of God's people. For their ordination ceremony three times a day, for seven days, <clears throat> they would lay their hands on an animal uh, such that <coughs> they are being identified with the animal. And as soon as the animal gets identified with them, what happens to it? They kill it. They cut its throat. They drain all of its blood out. And then, depending on which animal, they burn all of it or at least some of it with fire after it's been killed. And so Aaron and his sons were not ordained in such a way that would make them think that, boy, were they the good ones out of Israel. They were ordained in such a way as to communicate to them as they saw and participated in their own ordination ceremony, I deserve death and I deserve hell. I deserve death and I deserve hell. I deserve death and I deserve hell. Over and over again. 21 times they would go through a ritual that showed that. And every time a new high priest was ordained, it would happen again. <clears throat> and so what they see is how much they need atonement. How much they need a substitute to die in their place, a substitute to burn in their place. And they would see that bulls and rams don't suffice. Because if a bull or a ram could suffice, they would have had one on the first day, and that would have been it, and it would have been done. But even in their ordination, you have this repetition. And then next week we'll see that when they start into the, their ministry, they have to offer two lambs every single day for the rest of their lives, for the rest of Israel's life. <coughs> and these uh, offerings, and we haven't even gotten yet to the Day of Atonement and so forth, these offerings would have to continue year after year. And the Holy Spirit, by the author to the Hebrews, says what should have been obvious to them, should be obvious to us, is that the blood of these bulls and the blood of these rams is not accomplishing anything. The death of these bulls and rams are not accomplishing anything. The burning of these bulls and rams is not accomplishing anything, except that it's a soothing aroma to Yahweh somehow. Why? Is God... Uh, you know, such a lover of the smell of uh, burning cow and burning ram that that makes him feel better about how we sin? It's a wicked way of speaking, isn't it? It's almost blasphemous. But we think that way. And it's just as blasphemous, by the way, to think that our sacrifices that we make and our service that we do and our obediences that are full of sin are any better in their own right than the smell of a burning bull or a burning ram. No, the soothing aroma to Yahweh 
is that he has covenanted within himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together, that the Father would give a people to his Son, the Son would redeem that people unto the Father, the Spirit would apply that redemption. <clears throat> so that Revelation even describes Jesus as the Lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. The mystery is revealed to us, as we saw in the end of Romans 3 and the midweek sermons, when Jesus Christ dies on the cross, but doesn't just die, he suffers the wrath of God on the cross in our place. He's displayed, exhibited as a propitiation. And we say, ah, oh, this shows the righteousness of God. He is just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. The sins that he forgave in the past, it, had, it was not for the bulls or for the goats. It was for the sake of the righteousness and sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way a sinner has ever been saved. <clears throat> and so there's need, uh, as he describes here, for sin offering the removal of guilt. There's need for burnt offering, the, uh, the consumption or the complete turning away of the wrath against that guilt. There's need uh, even for peace offering, uh, for fellowship to be restored. So everything they lay their hands on uh, keeps getting slaughtered. And everything needs blood on it. Uh, the altar needs blood on it. The tabernacle um, needs to be sanctified. Their garments need blood on them, even they themselves. So not just uh, every everything that was going to be used in the worship of God had to have atoning blood on it, uh, but they put blood on what? They, their right earlobe, their right thumb, their right big toe, and what are you understanding if the that every part of them needed to be consecrated to God and every part of them needed the atoning blood in order to be consecrated unto God. And so the between uh, the obvious death and hell that they deserved and everything needing blood to be put on it, uh, and the fact that this not only had to be done repeatedly, and praise God, he did it seven times, and so they see, uh, even by the number, it may not mean as much to you, I hope it means more and more to you, as you read and study the Bible and think uh, in biblical ways, but they understood what the number of seven meant. They understood how completely they needed a substitute, an atonement, that they would understand how completely the Lord was providing one. And this is how completely he provides one. He himself is the substitute. You see, it's helpful to them that when they are consecrated and set apart, even after they are washed uh, with water, even after the clothes are put on them, they need blood put on them. But we don't put any blood on anyone. Why? Because the blood has been shed once for all. 
And when God commands that the water be applied, it sprinkles not just our body, but the conscience clean. Sprinkles our hearts clean from an evil conscience. It tells us that the blood that was shed once for all still has effect, and it has effect for me. Everyone who believes in Jesus Christ is assured by their baptism that the blood of Christ has atoned for us. Now, there are some of us who have been put into (coughs) ministry positions. If you're a mom or dad, sorry, there's no choice. You have been put into a ministry position. You're not an officer of the church. But you are set apart by God for your task, and it is not because of how worthy you are. You deserve death and hell like Aaron and his sons. And yet, the Lord is the one who is providing Christ to your children through you, and that is a high privilege. This should save you from, on the one hand, from pride, as the Lord blesses your labors and works in your son, your daughter, that you not think that it had anything to do with how good you are. But it should also spare you from despair. You can remember in the days in which you yourself are doing poorly and you are having to plead repeatedly the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and his absorbing the wrath that you deserve for all of those thoughts and feelings you have towards those children all day long. Sometimes it even comes out of your mouth, maybe. And you remember, God, when he ordained and installed Aaron and his sons, ordained and installed them with the certainty that they needed atonement, And that he was consecrating them to himself by the one who would provide that atonement. And that there was coming one one day whose sacrifice would never have to be repeated. How fully and infinite is his atonement and the worthiness of it. And it is still your worthiness. But especially those of you who are or In God's providence, we pray and hope one day we'll be officers in his church. There's good reason why, historically, in ordination ceremonies, we hear preached how much we deserve death and hell and how we don't have what is needed for our people in us. Even this morning in the Timothy passage, you remember, Paul writing to Timothy, telling him how he needs to be uh, an example, how his progress in the faith, his maturity in the faith, needs to be evident to all. And then he tells him to do what? Or in the middle of it, between the be an example and let your progress be evident. He says, give, give attention to reading. Give attention to exhortation. Give attention to teaching. For in doing this you will save whom? both yourself and your hearers. Timothy was not an example to them. 
of how good they could get themselves to be. Timothy was to be an example to them of what it looks like a little further down the road when God is saving someone through Jesus Christ and particularly through the application of the means. And so, whether we're talking about Exodus 29 and the ordination of Aaron and his sons or any sort of ministry and um, we often and have just now again made application especially to parents do the same uh, with husbands uh, for instance uh, or whether we're talking about uh, particularly the eldership of uh, the church or the, the preachers and pastors in the church it's all pointing to Christ, the atonement that was necessary from him, the consecration, the setting apart as holy for service under him, and therefore the certainty that he whose sacrifice was effective is the one who will make the ministry that points to him and to that sacrifice effective. So we started by asking uh, was there being uh, the ones, the right ones selected in the right clothing in the right place with the water and the anointing oil? Was that enough to make them holy? And the answer was a resounding no. But the passage really teaches us that neither were the bull, was the bull or the first ram or the second ram or any, none of that was enough to make them holy. Jesus alone is enough, and Jesus abundantly is enough. Amen. Let's pray. <laughs> Our Lord, we thank you and praise you. We thank you even for those days and times where we have added weakness where you show us Christ's necessity and Christ's sufficiency. We bless your name for how you did this for Aaron and his sons, how shockingly and violently you demonstrated to them repeatedly in their ordination the necessity of Christ for them and that Christ alone would be sufficient. And so we thank you that sometimes you do this in our experience. Pray, Lord, uh, for these, your flock, that your spirit would grant to them to be quick to have recourse to the cross, to the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, to him sitting on the throne of glory as their permanently installed priest. Lord, we thank you that even at other times like this one, that not shockingly or violently or grievously when we see again our guilt and know the, the wrath that it ought to have received and did at the cross, but that sometimes you bring us in a gentle way, opening the scripture, reading about what you did with them, so we pray for your Holy Spirit's work in us in that way as well. 
Grant that your word would take root. Grant that we would meditate upon it. That we would get much benefit from it. And grow us by the grace and the knowledge of Christ, we ask in his name. Amen.